I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a form of But that Why hookup was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We We want want to know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Every Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Elena Kaz, and today we are talking about a topic that we know a lot of people out there are curious about. They have questions about and they have major misconceptions about questions like, how do social media influencers and bloggers make money? How much money do they actually make? And better yet, how can I get started making money on social media? We are going to get into all of it, and we're going to be sharing real numbers. Over the years, this was easily one of the questions I'd get asked the most. I would even be at parties like with my extended family or friends. And whenever I told them what I did for a living, I kid you not, the first question they'd ask is, oh, cool. Wait, so how do you make money? People want to know. And from what I've read on the forums of the interwebs, there are a lot of misconceptions about how it all works and just how much a person can make online. We're going to dive into a little bit about how our company, the Every Girl Media Group, operates versus a traditional blogger or influencer, because there's a lot of big differences there as well. I started blogging when I was 23 years old. Oh my gosh, the year was 2009. And let me just paint a little picture for you. Instagram didn't exist. Any brand or product you saw a person talking about on their blogs was doing it because they just genuinely loved that product and wanted to share it. Authenticity wasn't really a question. Heck, Pinterest was barely a thing. People followed and commented on on one another's blog posts willingly and created a community and conversation. And honestly, people became really good friends through all of it. Fast forward to 2022, social media scrolling has taken over. People's attention spans are that of a 15-second TikTok video. Companies the world over are doing everything they can to get people to engage and click over to their sites and ideally hit purchase. I co-founded the Every Girl Media Group in 2012, and the current industry of influencer marketing, as we know it today, did not exist. Those first few years were truly like the Wild West. Even my own father would be like, cool. I love that you're doing this. What's your plan on like earning a living at some point? And I'd be like, I don't know, dad, but I love what I'm doing and we're going to figure it out. A few years in, we would be having conversations with brands, marketing teams saying, so we know we are supposed to be partnering with bloggers, but we don't really know what to do or how this is supposed to look. Like, how are we going to measure the success of this campaign after we pay you? Blah, blah, blah. Click-through rates, engagement rates, tracking links and pixel codes. None of it existed. So from what I know, brands really started partnering with blogs and online publications around 2013 to 2015. And even then it was murky trial and error. 
This entire industry has unfolded in real time over the last few years, and elements of it change pretty much every year. New social media platforms launch, and that changes the game, and everything changes all over again. It's been a crazy and wild ride, to say the least, and I am here to shed some light on how all of it works. So let's dive into it. I have my co-host Josie joining me, and she is going to be asking the questions that you all submitted. Hi, Josie. Hi, Elena. How are you? Good. It's good to be back. I've been loving listening to all these other episodes you've been hosting. I know. I am so excited to have you on this episode, though, because this is a topic that there's so much confusion around, but people want to know. I mean, the influencer industry is booming, but there's so much confusion and there's so many different pieces to it that are so behind the scenes. So I know you are going to shed some light for so many people who are interested in influencing or just want to know how the influencers that they love are making money and what the behind the scenes look like. So let's get started because we have so many questions we got from our... um, So I know this episode is going to be so jam-packed with information. So let's go ahead and dive right in. The most common question we got asked was, how do I get started? Where do I begin? How do I know what to influence about? Yes, I. the last part of that honestly kind of makes me chuckle. All right, deciding what you want to share. So where to begin? Um, Let's start with that last part. So how do you know what to influence about? Deciding what you want to share. I would say, oh gosh, and this is going to sound cheesy. I feel like a lot of what I'm going to say today is going to be bordering on cheesy, but what are your passions? What do you love or do for fun when let's say you have an hour to kill? Okay. Is it cooking? Is it gardening? Is it traveling? Is it fashion? Is it being funny and silly and making jokes? Is it commenting on the latest show that's hitting Netflix or whatever? Is it thrifting? Is it crafting and DIY? Is it all of the above? That is what you are going to be influencing about. The fact is, whether you are doing a blog or sticking exclusively to creating content on one or more of the social media platforms, content creation is nonstop. And it's really important to have fun doing it because that's going to fuel your creative energy day after day. And it's going to come a lot easier to you when you're doing something that you already are knowledgeable about or doing for fun or have spent years getting better at and and studying. Again, that could be, when I say studying, I mean like studying the art of cooking. Like maybe you, when you're 20, you were like, hey, I want to become a better cook. And now you're 28 or 40 and you consider yourself kind of a connoisseur in the kitchen. Like, yeah, start sharing that, share that knowledge, share your ideas, share your creativity with the world. So start there, I would say. The advice I keep hearing is like, be niche, like find your niche. Can you talk about like what that even means? Like how specific and like targeted should you be before you're setting yourself up for just like a very small, unengaged audience? Yeah, no, that was actually a question that came in a lot. Oh gosh, I mean, similarly, you can go as niche or narrow focused as you want or as broad as you want. So when we launched The Every Girl, it was 2012. We were very intentionally broad. Our mission was to help women have an inspired, stylish, well-rounded life. Well-rounded, by definition, means covering a lot of topics. Our niche included career and financial advice and lifestyle content, travel content for women in their 20s and 30s. So it's a pretty broad niche, so to speak, yet we can still point to specifically what we're covering, what we're not covering. In fact, 
back then we had more than one person tell us that we were too broad and that we needed to go more niche. Uh, so focusing on a more narrow topic like living, uh, home decor or wellness, we obviously said, thank you so much for that unsolicited advice. Uh, but we feel really good about what we're doing and we're going to stick with it. Uh, the funny thing is that over the next few years, we saw our competitors who all started more niche in fashion or celebrity content start to broaden their content to include career advice and finance advice, uh, home and travel. Point of all of that is trust your gut, do the thing you want to do. If you have a lot of interests and are willing to make you and your personality, you the person, the niche, so to speak, you can cover a lot of topics because your niche is your perspective, your taste, your opinion on all of those topics. If you really only care about fitness or advocacy, and that's your comfort level in terms of content creation and you know, your own personal knowledge and ideas that you have to share, then do that. You can make it as focused as you want. A lot of people start with one area and they actually end up expanding as they gain a following and people become naturally curious about their lives their families, their significant others, their homes, their clothes. I actually just saw, well, not so recently, it's been for a while now, but uh, Shay McGee or Studio McGee, as you probably know her on Instagram, she's a really large interior designer and has a Netflix show and everything. She started strictly as an interior design account, interior design business. Like I said, she now has a Netflix show, over 3 million followers. And as that business and her online presence grew, people came to care about her, the person. People wanted, you know, the account went from beautiful interiors, photos of rooms, to photos of her family, photos of her outfits. They want to know what she's wearing, where she's traveling, what she's eating. And her content has naturally evolved and expanded to include all of that. So you might also be an interior designer and want to share interiors, and you never want to get into the personal. You never want to share your personal life. You're, you want to keep that separate. Totally fair. Like this whole thing can be what you're comfortable with, what you want to put out there, what you feel proud to put out there, knowledgeable to put out there. Confidence is key. And so just like I said, share and focus on what you're most comfortable sharing. So speaking of that, you hear the word personal brand all the time. I think that's such like an overused word now we hear about it all the time. What is the most important part of a personal brand and what does that mean? How do you create one? Ah, personal brands. Um, it is funny, right? Like I'm kind of laughing because I'm Elena. Like I'm a brand, not really. I'm just a person. But because of this world we live in now, yeah. Like what is the brand that is Elena Kaz? It's, it's crazy. Okay, so I do have an answer for this. And I hate my answer because again, it is so cliche, but it is the answer, at least at this point in time. So the most important thing to your personal brand, <laughs> literally I'm laughing at my own answer, is authenticity, blah, blah, blah. Such a word you hear all the time. What does that mean? And it's, who are you, the person? Like, what are your values, your hobbies, your interests, the things that make you laugh? Because what makes me laugh is going to be different than what makes you laugh. I actually just noticed this on my, my account. Um, I was talk I've been talking a lot about books and what I'm reading. And I can't tell you how many people are like, oh my God, read this book, read this book. It's amazing. And I picked it up and I was like, this book is awful. Oh my God, snooze fast, can't even get through it. Then I go read this other book. And I was talking about it with one of our editors and she's like, oh, I thought that book was pretty boring. And I was like, I can't put it down. So share that, stand by your opinion confidently. Like what, if, whether it's about a book or geez, politics, especially given the recent 
last five years. Oh my gosh. The issues you're willing to speak up about and take a stand on. That was really important to a lot of people in the last few years. And by a lot of people, I mean like the, the, the followers and the readers, like they wanted to hear from the people they followed about the issues that mattered to them. So are you willing to share that with your audience? Let them in to know how you think feel, live your life. Because trying to be someone you're not can only go on for so long. And like all lies, which quite frankly, that would be, it will eventually bubble to the surface. People want to connect and relate to the people on the other ends of the screen. That's not only going to draw people in, but it's going to keep them there. I follow a lot of people and I know how it is. Like you feel like you're following a friend. Any day now, Mindy Kaling and I are going to be laughing over coffees together because based on what I see on her account, I just know that we would be best friends. (laughs) Like that's what she puts out there. You get a very good sense of herself, uh, the person, her personality, her sarcasm through her writing, through her shows, through what she posts. So Again, this is where I say like confidence is really important and being able to put yourself out there and kind of have opinions on things. Even if, like I said, that opinion is on like the latest fashion trend and quite frankly, you hate it. Like be willing to say that and stand by it when everyone comes for you and they're like, you're crazy. This is the greatest thing to happen ever in the fashion world. And like, can you stand by your opinion? I don't know. I think that's really, really important. So yeah. (laughs) That's really good advice. And I think the Mindy Kaling example is really good, actually, because to me, like a personal brand means you inherently are not going to please every single person. Like you're not trying to reach the entire audience of Instagram or or every woman out there or or whatever. Like you're, you're being who you truly are, which means the people that click with you are the people like you feel with Mindy, where you're like, I want (laughs) to sit down and have coffee because we're going to be best friends. She has a very clear personal brand and some people will be like, I'm obsessed with her and will be her best friend and click with her. And some people will say, not for me. And that to Mm -hmm. me is like the point of a personal brand. So I think that's amazing advice. Okay. So next question, now that you know your personal brand, you know what what content you're producing, how do you start? Like what kind of work do you need to put in before the launch? What to know before actually starting Um, your Instagram account or your blog? Yeah, this is um, a great question. It's always good to be prepared. You know, I'm a planner. But this also depends on whether you plan on having a blog and a website or just maintaining social media accounts. Uh, This can be very simple if you're just kind of like trying to get started and see if it sticks. And you can kind of start making some of these other changes happen as you go. Or it can be a lot of major preparation. Again, depending on what your goals are. Like, are you launching more of a business? Are you going all in? Like, this is going to be your full-time job. I would say there's a bit more work to do. If you're taking this on as a hobby or just for fun, you don't have to do quite as much. So, okay, what are those things? First off, I would say it is great to get a URL set up and a basic website. Even just go buy the URL on GoDaddy, whether or not you plan on having a website and a blog. Social media changes constantly, so it's not a bad idea to have a main website that's Googleable that people can refer to, even if it's just your name, your in- and links to your social media accounts and maybe your photos on there and a brief bio about what it is you're posting about and how people can contact you. Like bare minimum, I exist on the internet. You can find me on social, but when people type you in on Google, that will show up. So I would definitely recommend having that done. Uh, Like I said, you can secure the domain. 
on GoDaddy.com. There's other websites that you can do it. That's where I've bought all of our URLs. The everygirl.com was bought through GoDaddy. They did not pay me to say that. That's just what I did and what I still do. The other thing you're going to want to secure are these social media handles on as many channels as you can get. Even if you think you are never going to be on Facebook, go get it. It's good to have. And when I say go get, I mean like a business page set up with your brand. Your brand might be your own personal name. It might be some cheeky branding name you go by on Instagram, like whatever that handle is. But try to get the Instagram handle, try to get the TikTok handle, try to get the Twitter handle, try to get on Pinterest, like so that it's the same across all boards. Because great example, I have a personal blog that I'm never on anymore. And that had a different name. So am I going to go by that brand blog name or am I going to go by Elena Kaz on everything? That it's best to be consistent as much as possible and use that same. So we're the every girl on Instagram, we're the every girl on TikTok, we're the every girl on Twitter, we're the every girl.com, we're the every girl on Facebook. Easy across the board to find us because if you don't make it right away, let's say you become a huge success, someone else is going to go get that Instagram handle and they're going to try and charge you for it, which is crazy, but that actually does happen. So secure the URL, secure all the social media handles as best as you can. You might have to add like underscores or something to get get what you need, but that's step one. Step two, I would say is some basic branding. Again, what name are you going by? Investing in some form of a official looking logo, which again, could be your initials, maybe just your first initial or your last initial. It could be your company or brand name and a little bit of branding. Again, there are platforms out there that make this a lot easier. Canva is one that we use that I recommend, or you can find a graphic designer to help you put something together. Third, I would say is having some sense of a content calendar. What does that mean? You ask. You want to know what you're going to be posting. It's very challenging every single day to try to come up with something new to post. I mean, hey, you could do it. People do it all the time. Sometimes creativity is just like sparked in the moment, right? And that's fine. But if you want to have a plan, if you want to ensure success of sticking with this, I think having a broad overview idea of the kind of content you want to be creating, meaning if you're going to have an Instagram account or a TikTok account or a blog, how many times a week am I posting? Am I doing videos that are all really similar? Like, am I doing three new recipes a week? Am I going on this trip and that's going to, I'm going to have a month's worth of content from it? Like some overview, I would say for at least a month or two of the type of content. And again, you can get like really granular and have different types of posts planned. It just gives you something to refer back to when you hit that creative slump of like, ah, what am I going to create? And you're like, oh, it's Tuesday. I know that I want to put a new outfit together uh, with this pair of jeans everyone's wearing. Having a content calendar is really going to set you up for success when you're in that initial, I don't know what I'm doing, like phase of all of this. Like it's just something, it's like a, a guiding light to refer back to. And then last but not least, and again, this is where I was saying, it depends how kind of official you're making this right out of the gate, but you might want to set up a company to operate under. Like, again, you might just be an individual who's doing this as freelance work on the side. Again, money might not even be on the table yet. Or you know you're launching a brand and a company off of this, in which case you're going to need a lawyer to help you set up an LLC. And again, you're just going to have to find an attorney to help you do this. They can advise you and help you. It's not a complicated process once you have someone helping you with all the paperwork and doing it. I'm sure there's ways to even file it on your own, but obviously I don't know how to do that. We worked with an attorney on it. So 
Yes. That's like a more official, you're trying to get started officially, launch a business with social media and everything. So I'm not saying everyone out there who's going on TikTok needs to do that. Speaking of Instagram and social media, are photos important or is now just reels everything? And is it even possible to see growth with how Instagram is right now? Oh my gosh. First off, yes, it is 100% possible to see growth. It's actually kind of incredible how large accounts can get. I see new accounts like going from 10,000 to 100,000 to 300,000 followers, like in a couple of months, which to me is a very incredible growth. Second, don't shoot the messenger, but yes, reels are a huge part of the Instagram algorithm right now. And those fast growing accounts that I personally can think about all happen because they are heavily reels based accounts. That being said, this changes all the time. So six years ago, Instagram, you were growing if you had these gorgeously, I'll even say inauthentically styled images, like just the picture perfect straight out of a magazine. Why do you have a candle on the bed with a magazine? Like no one actually does that, but oh, it's such a beautiful moment. Like that's how you were growing then, which, oh, by the way, those photos took forever to style, edit, etc. You probably had some fancy camera to shoot on. Um, so that was like phase one, right? Well, actually, phase one was technically just like bad photos that you were posting of your friends making funny faces. So then the big marketing growth phase was these beautiful images. That was all the rage. Then it became more like authentic in the moment images again, which I think is still more popular, which I'm grateful for. It's much easier to produce. Then a couple of years ago, we really saw a big swing toward graphics, which was just so crazy because Instagram was always photos, but the things you were seeing tens of thousands of likes getting shared, going viral, they were these graphics, these quotes, these inspirational images with graphics on top, with quotes on top of them, memes, humor was huge. And again, still is, but that, that was the kind of content that really picked up, I would say like probably two years ago. And now it's reels, largely influenced by the TikTok phenomenon. So this is probably all going to change again in a year. So, you know, if you're listening to this in 2023 or 2024, you're going to be like reels, they can't get got rid of reels. What are you talking about? I think the most important thing here is recognizing that this is a big part of the business. If you are in this industry, if this is something you're considering going into, know that it is going to continue to change. When you think you've got it figured out, the Instagram CEO likes to get on and make an announcement about some new exciting changes and a new competing social media platform might come out and you have to decide, okay, is the, am I getting on this? Do I have to be on this? Oh my gosh, like in the last two years, Clubhouse uh, came out, which is like a listening only. It's like a, a combination of social media, but quasi podcasting, like that came out. We were like, oh, do we need to be on that? Snapchat was a big conversation a few years ago. Do we need to be on that? Like you just don't know the next big thing, but you have to kind of have, keep your thumb on the pulse and like, okay, is that the thing? Do I need to join that? Um, it's just a part of this game, so to speak. And I mean, I personally think change is really exciting, but if that's something that you have a hard time with and really stresses you out, like I actually see a lot of people on Instagram right now openly complaining about the need to create reels and hey, I'm not knocking them because it is like, hey, I create beautiful images and photography and like, why do I have to put all this extra work in to do a different kind of content? I get where the frustrations come from. But if you prefer more stability and something you can rely on, social media might not be the right fit. So just keep that in mind. Yes, this year, right now in this moment, it's reels. 
year from now, it's going to be something else. What's the best way to grow your following? Do you have any tips for growing your following in an organic way that doesn't feel like you're kind of like selling yourself? Yeah, actually I I do. Um, Take out your notepad and pen, if you will. Uh, This is less complicated than people think. So first and foremost, number one, consistent posting. I would say you should be posting at least once a day or every other day to start, making sure that the content you're creating is either savable or shareable. You are not just going after likes. Again, I'm talking about this moment in time. That could all change again, but right now, savable and shareable is really important to growth. Course engagement helps in the form of likes and views and comments, uh, but you really want your content to circulate for people to come back to it. And that regular posting cadence makes you a reliable account. Actually, this past year, I really dipped off in posting and I see it in my numbers. Like I just needed to take my own step back. It was too much on top of my job. And again, I'm talking about my personal account here, not obviously our brand accounts. And you see it like you, when you post less, you're going to show up in your followers feeds less, which posting regularly, people will know they can rely on you. People are checking in pretty much daily, if not multiple times a day on their social media and you to be at the top of their feet, to be at the front of their stories. And that's again, Instagram specific, but same with TikTok. You need to be showing up with something new and something fresh for them on a regular basis. So that's number one. Number two, getting on stories. Again, this is Instagram specific, uh, helps. It's the video content that they're pushing and it's sharing in real time when possible. It's all about that authenticity. Cause you, like I said, you're sharing in real time, jumping on and being in the moment is really important. Number three, engaging with your followers, both in the DMS and the comments. Very, very important. Number four, engaging with similar accounts by leaving comments on their stuff, sharing their work, DMing them. I know that sounds like maybe something you hadn't thought of, but go and find kind of who's doing, who's in your space, who's in your geographic area, who's in the the niche, so to speak, that we were talking about, who's already doing it. I think it's really good to have kind of like those, like the big guys, like the big accounts who, you know, that million plus followers who are doing it really, really well people kind of in that middle of the road. And then people maybe like you who are starting out, like start growing your network there. Whether someone has 500 followers or 10,000 followers, you're all more in that like starting out phase where you're more likely to work together, help promote one another, share one another's content, cheer each other on. That was a huge part of the Evergirls growth. That was a huge part of my own networking way back in 2009. It's really awesome to find like your people on these platforms, which brings me to my last point, which is collaborating with others who have similar audiences and doing this whenever possible, however possible, lift each other up, use these accounts to your advantage by linking to each other and sharing one another's stuff. If you are, again, listening to this five months from now, that might change, but obvious things might be like people in the lifestyle sector, home decor, food, fashion. But I even see humor influencers doing this. They team up with other humor influencers and like get together to make humor videos together. And again, these are people who probably never even met in person, but they like each other's work. They follow each other's accounts and they're like, shoot them a DM. They probably are liking each other's stuff, commenting. They start seeing one another more often. It's like, hey, I like their stuff too. Let's work together. And then that way when me, Elena Kaz, like maybe you and I, Elena Kaz and Josie Santi team up on Instagram and I'm now tagging you to my followers. You're tagging me to your followers. And because 
again, theoretically, we have like really similar accounts, a bunch of your followers might want to start following me and vice versa. So collaboration is really beautiful part that can come out of social media. Um, I know social media gets bad rap, but like, I know, I think there's wonderful things that can come from it. And that's one of them. And use it and not just in an like a crappy way, like you, like get to know people, build your network, meet people who are doing things similar to you. It's, it's really awesome. The relationships that can come from it. So, I mean, gosh, we even do this at the every girl with like other lifestyle websites. And again, this can be both on like with websites, you can be linking to each other on your websites or your blogs. Or again, if someone else has a blog, you love, you can be linking to articles you like that they're posting both on your Instagram or on your Facebook page, helping one another. And you can be doing the same thing on social media with like tagging, reposting and sharing one another's content. So five things, I hope you wrote them down. Otherwise you can just rewind and listen again. But yeah, those things all really help. They're all organic. You're not paying, you're not getting bots, you're not begging people to follow you. That can all really move the needle. Okay, next question. Can you hold a nine to five job, a full-time job and be an influencer? Absolutely, as you like to say, Josie, which, oh, by the way, I love every time you say freaking. <laughs> I think it's the greatest thing. Um, that is how so many people start. That is how I started. That's how we started. That is what you do. It is just a heck of a lot of work because you are going to be working two jobs. I would urge everyone listening not to discredit or minimize how much time goes into content creation. I know it is easy to say that styling outfits and taking photos isn't work, but just because it's work that seems fun doesn't mean it's not work. A lot of hours go into all of this, and that doesn't mean there aren't tedious parts to the business. People around the world have learned to create. I mean, the whole industry is just fascinating. Like when you think about what things were in the 90s, how it was left to like certain industries, and like it was very exclusive to be a writer or an editor or a photographer at these top publications and for your work to be seen by the world, right? Like that whole game has changed, and people around the world have learned to create content at these expert levels that look like magazine quality imagery. And I mean, the level of video production I see being done on phones now is just astounding. So all that to say, there is amazing talent and it's exhausting hearing people try to discredit these creators as quote unquote, not working. Creators are spending hours planning, shooting, styling, filming, again, whether it's like recipes you're creating, whether it's hours and money spent traveling to get places, like shooting the content, editing the content, writing the content, sharing the content, marketing the content, blah, 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 blah. Like it goes on and on all to like grow these brands and accounts. Like it doesn't just happen overnight. I mean, even there's so many humor accounts I follow and the really good ones I find are all like professional actors. (laughs) Like that's why their TikToks are so damn funny and they grow because like they're just very freaking good at what they do. Anyway, I mean, yeah, a lot of work goes into it. So All of that being said, and I know this is difficult, easier said than done, but try not to compare yourself to people who do get to do it full-time right out of the gate. Actually, there's an influencer I follow, Joy Afodu. We've had her speak at several of our conferences. She's amazing. She worked at Instagram. She does very, very funny reels herself. And she just did one that was really inspiring. And it said exactly that, like, don't compare yourself to someone who gets to do this full-time. 
because somehow they have the financial support and resources to do so. Yes, there are people who are going to grow quickly because they have closets filled with beautiful designer clothing and bags who get to go on expensive vacations and photograph that, who have their new custom home that they can showcase. But if that's not you, don't be looking at what they're doing. Like, Don't compare yourself to them because that's probably also not your niche and not the audience you're going to attract anyway. So just try not to compare yourself to those people. If you are in the DIY space or the budget travel or easy meals to cook at home or thrifting fashion or corporate humor, again, that's reference to an account I follow. Don't worry about what those accounts you're not even trying to compete with are doing. Find your community find the people who are also working full-time jobs and doing it and talk to them and figure out like, hey, do you have a schedule that's, you know, get to know them as people and then you can talk and collaborate. Like what works for you? Like, do you want to do this together on the weekends? Are you working late at night to make this happen? That's going to be your the, the group and what that you should focus on and and aspire to to be competing with. So I mean, heck, we even launched with the goal of creating that more relatable content, attainable lifestyle fashion style, career journeys. So it is possible to be successful without being in, you know, that space of, oh, I just get to do this full time and, and whatever. It's very real to do this on top of a full-time job. Many people do that. Yes, it's a lot of work, but I have no doubt if you're loving it and you're, you know, that creativity is there and you have the ideas and you're passionate about what you're creating, like it's, it's going to come for you. Like it's going to grow and You just kind of have to stick with it. But yes, it is possible. Okay, so moving now into the business and finances part, we got so many questions on how to monetize. We got asked, curious how ad deals work, how do brands sponsor influencers, how much money do they make, how to generate a livable income, how does someone get sponsored, what is the process of getting a brand deal? So many questions about this. So enlighten us, give us all the details on the basics of how to make money as an influencer. Oh my gosh, there's... How much time do we have here, Josie? Because there are quite a few ways. Uh, That's actually a beautiful part of this business is the diversified revenue streams, right? Like you're not relying on just one way to make money, uh, which is awesome. All right. So let's just start like, let's say you have 10,000 to a million followers, right? Like, okay, you're established. You've been doing this for a while because this isn't going to happen right out of the gate. And again, 10,000 is a very arbitrary number. You can have less. So don't read too much into the fact that I said that. Let's dive into the money of it all. Here are the different ways you can monetize your content creation. Number one, there are affiliate networks. What the heck does that mean? Affiliate networks basically provide content creators with commission earnings on the products they are posting, recommending, but ultimately selling for that brand. So as someone who used to work in sales at retail stores and earned commission on the products that I helped people who came into the store buy, I'm either recommending them or suggesting them or adding on to the things they already have in the dressing room. This is very standard practice to earn commission on products that you are selling for a brand. So how does this work? Uh, They're all kind of different. The rules, again, change how much your commission percentage is changes from brand to brand or store to store or depending on what network you're in. But for the sake of simplicity, let's say you follow a fashion blogger. She has a blog. She has an Instagram account. 
And she's putting a post together about the outfit she wore to a party on Saturday. And you can click to shop the shirt and the skirt and the heels and the earrings. And it's all there on her blog, right? And if you click and buy that shirt, she probably makes anywhere from 2 to 20% commission. So if it's a $100 shirt, she's earning anywhere from 2 to $20 on the sale. There's a lot more that can go into this. Uh, a lot of these networks that exist allow you to earn commission on the entire checkout of that cart. So if she buys that shirt, but then it's, you know, J. Crew, the shirt's from J. Crew, and she is like, oh, I like that recommended product at J. Crew. I'm going to add that to my cart too. Oh, and I've been wanting to get those shoes for the fall, and I'm going to add that. She ends up checking out with a cart of $1,000. That blogger who sent her with that link is earning 2 to 20% on that $1,000 cart checkout, which is pretty significant. So that's like high level how it works. But a few things to note are there are a lot of companies offering this service. So Reward Style, I think they actually, I know they now go by the name LTK. Uh, they've rebranded. That is one that a lot of influencers use. Uh, Skim Links is a massive website. They have amazing analytics in their back end. Um, by analytics, I mean the influencers themselves can see like how much each post is making, how much each store is bringing in. Rakuten is a huge network. Amazon, eBay, Etsy, Target, massive retailers that all have their own affiliate links. And what that means is, again, you're an influencer, you're starting out, you can go into the Amazon affiliate network program, make your own account. Once you have that account, if there's any, gosh, I mean, any product on Amazon that you want to recommend to your followers, you get like a custom URL link. And that's the link you're going to use. And that's the link that tracks that the code came from you. The sale came from you. You're getting a commission on that sale. So affiliate networks are a very, very uh, lucrative part of the business for a lot of people, especially in the lifestyle space, especially high-end fashion influencers. There are people making up to seven figures. Yes, you are hearing that correctly. Seven figures on affiliate networks. Um, but again, think if you're like posting $700 dresses and design $3,000 designer handbags and you have, that's your readership who's shopping in that, like there's a very high earning potential there. So that is one part of a way to make money. And again, something to keep in mind was a few years back, linking through Instagram was not a thing. Like that was a feature that's been added in recent years. So this was exclusively reserved for people who had that blog or that website. Now you can put links in your Instagram stories. They've just made it a lot more. I mean, gosh, commerce is huge now. They've made it a lot more shoppable for people. So you can do this if you are exclusively with like plan to be a social media influencer and not go the way of a website. So something to note. Number two, is sponsored and paid partnerships, which is what I know a lot of people were asking about. What does that mean? So what this looks like is someone like the Every Girl Media Group. We actually have an entire sales department. Our chief of sales probably either is, I mean, they do both. They do outbound to brands and then they get a lot of inbound pitches. So we might hear from brand XYZ saying, Hey, every girl, we are putting together our pitches for our fall fashion line. We would love to consider you. Can you send me your media kit? So we have a media kit that outlines all of our offerings. So the way a partnership can work is 
We can partner with a brand on a post on our site where we feature their product, talk about their new launch, talk about their new collection, talk about their new sale, talk about anything they want to talk about. Like that's where we work with the brand. Like, okay, what are your key goals for this campaign? What can we put together that will help you promote this? Whatever it is you're looking to promote. We can promote this on social media. We can promote this in our newsletters. We can, heck, we can host an event together. Let's partner in that way. We can come up with a whole new product together. Like partnerships can happen in a wide array of different categories. The most common you're going to see are partnerships on social media and on people's sites. So in the form of content, right? You are featuring someone's bedding, like I mentioned. You are featuring someone's new fall collection, like I mentioned. Um, They might have a campaign like back to school or holiday shopping that they're really wanting to promote. So that's high level what that looks like. You, There's a lot of wiggle room and negotiation that can go into this. Like, oh, you might do a slightly discounted rate. Let's say you charge $500 to do a sponsored blog post on your blog, right? Well, Maybe if they want to do three blog posts with you over the course of two months, you're going to reduce that rate by a little bit and offer them like a package deal. So that's something to keep in mind with that. So these types of partnerships range significantly. Again, there's a lot of opportunity, even when probably not when you're just starting out, but even if you have a small following of a few thousand very loyal, highly engaged followers up to the like huge multi-million following accounts. And these campaigns can range from $100, $200 payments up to six and seven figure campaign sizes, which I know is probably like shocking listening that, yes, seven figure campaign sizes. Those are not as common. Those are usually reserved for massive media websites, but they exist. And I know there are influencers who have definitely gotten if not seven figures close, definitely up in the six-figure campaigns. A lot of that might mean it's a campaign that's spread out over the course of a year. I'm not saying someone's... I mean, actually, probably like celebrities are getting paid that for one or two Instagram posts, but an average, you know, a a large-scale influencer or site is probably doing multiple posts, multiple sharing on social media. There's a lot that... It's like a big, giant package that reaches that large total sum. So... It's not like, okay, I shared on Instagram, please pay me half a million dollars. Again, I have no doubt that is what certain celebrities can charge, but that's on the celebrity front of things. So yeah, I mean, I gosh, I think even like the Bachelor crew <laughs> hears me talking about the Bachelor again, but like those reality stars, I think have gotten into like really high campaign deals, but we're talking like 25 million followers, 30 million followers, like they have massive, massive accounts. That's sponsored and paid partnerships. I will say there is one other way to do it. And especially when you're just starting out, money aside, you could be paid in the form of product. I did this a lot when I was just starting out. This is very common. And it's a great way to get your foot in the door of partnering with brands and showing them what you can do. I know a lot of people ask like, how how do people get sent stuff? How do I get sent stuff? I want free stuff. And it's like, yeah, that sounds nice. Uh, Work goes into it. You can't just like, pocket it and walk away. Like you have to showcase it and showcase it nicely. Talk about it, sell it to your audience, make them interested in it. You know, like work goes into it. So we'll get into this a little bit later, uh, but you can reach out to brands and like show them what you can do. And, And that's a great way to start building those relationships, to start building up 
kind of like a uh, portfolio of, hey, I've worked with X, Y, and Z brands. When you go to start pitching other brands, they don't need to know if you got paid or not. Like if you worked with them and partnered with them and had some kind of collaboration with them, even if it was for in-kind product, that's working with them. Like you're not lying. That's a partnership. And that's a great way to start a partnership at the beginning to, to get started and kind of like learn how it all works. And, oh, wait, did it perform really well? Add that to your like selling points when you go to for pitch for new partnerships. Like, hey, I partnered with this, sorry, I keep coming back to this bedding company, but like, and I sold 200 sets of their bedding for them with this one Instagram post. Like, I'd love to feature some of your art in my home. Look at what my home looks like. This is my account. This is my engagement level. These are my followers. Like all of that kind of gets packaged together to make these partnerships happen. So that's partnerships. <laughs> Any questions there? There was a question. I assume this is in regards to pay partnerships. Do you really like the products or are you just trying to earn money? Oh my gosh. Given the vastness of the internet, both are out there. And personally, at at the Evergirl Media Group, we kind of have guidelines to follow. And that is, and I would highly recommend anyone else who's getting into this, take this to heart when you start partnering with brands. Would you be talking about this product or brand if they were not paying you or sending you something? Because if you wouldn't say no right there, like if this is not a product you purchase on your own, would share with your readers if there, like I said, wasn't a paid partnership involved, just cut it immediately. And number two, is this a product you think your readers can actually benefit from learning about? So is this in line with the stuff you usually do post or talk about or why they follow you? If you have a, a home decor account and out of nowhere, you're talking about like your favorite, I don't know, deodorant or like face serum. It just feels very random. If, if you had naturally started talking about your beauty routine or, you know, your health and wellness, like whatever, then sure, that might be a fit. But if you're like strictly over here in this category, you're not going to be throwing them some sponsor for like a dating website, just something that has nothing to do with your brand or your reader. So that's really important to keep in mind. I, like I said, have no doubt when money's on the table, people are saying yes to brands all the time that either they maybe don't really like, have never actually used, et cetera. I think you have to come back to like, know who you're following. What kind of content are they putting out there? Do you trust them? Are they like, do you feel like you get a good sense of whether thing something is what they would be recommending or not. And, and I know that sounds weird, but we learned very early on, oh my gosh, I'm going to share this little anecdote that's kind of embarrassing, but a very important lesson to share. We had just started out, we were probably a year in and we heard from, I think it was probably the second or third brand we heard from that they wanted to, they wanted to pay us. They wanted to partner with us and, and pay us to showcase their dresses. And obviously like the product itself was in line with our readers. It was about it was dresses. I'm not going to get too, into too much more detail. And it was fine. So we we're so excited anyone wanted to pay us again. This was like a year in of working. And we're like, yes, okay, well, yes, let's do this. Let's make it work. And we put up a little post and showed some of the dresses. Comments from the readers came in of like, none of these are good. Like these, these don't look like your style. Why are you recommending these dresses? And like, we were called out like immediately. And obviously the sponsor was unhappy. Our readers were unhappy. 
it didn't perform. It didn't do anything that it wants, like the brand was hoping for. Again, they weren't like that bad. It just wasn't super in line with our style and aesthetic of what we were usually posting. And the readers saw that and you lose trust. You're going to lose your following like immediately. It's very important to like have kind of that moral compass and stick true to what you are actually like stand by the work you're putting out there. And that includes the sponsored content. That's really, really important because you, if you don't have trust with your readers, like it's going to fall apart very quickly. And it's just a really important part of the business. So for sure, both of those things exist. Like there are people talking about products and getting paid to do so that they don't actually like it. That is very important for our team. I mean, we say no to a lot more brands than we say yes to. And like I said, we asked those questions, like, would we be talking about this brand if there wasn't money involved? And is this product, brand, or service offering something that we find valuable to our readers? Those are kind of the metrics of, like, can we move this along to a partnership? Yeah. So I recommend doing that. <laughs> Let me dive into just a couple other revenue opportunities when you get into the world of content creation and influencing. So number three, so number one was affiliate networks. Number two was sponsored and paid partnerships. Number three are the ad networks. These are the ads that run on blogs and websites, much like our own. You can see them when, our, when you open our page. And companies like this are Mediavine. That's who we use. There's Ad Thrive. There's Ezoic, I think is how you say it. But again, you can just Google any one of those companies and type in who are their competitors to find out more companies that offer this. And how this works is you're basically getting paid two factors here. The number of people coming to your site is a factor. So theoretically, the more people coming to your site, the more money you're going to be making. But there's also this other element, and that is the rate at which the third party, the advertisers, are willing to pay. What that means is you could have a blog that gets a thousand followers a week. Let's just say, let's say it has 10,000 readers a month. Okay. That's great. And if you get to 15,000 readers a month, theoretically, you're going to be making a bit more money because you have more views coming in. But this other factor is advertisers might be paying for the ads on your blog at a rate of a $10 RPM. So there's this other factor, and that's advertisers and the rate that they're willing to pay for that ad space on your site. Mediavine and, and AdThrive, they are the like the middleman, right? They sell the ad space to these advertisers and they work with you to like manage your site. So your goal is to try to have more traffic to earn more money. These advertisers, they might be paying $10 RPM to be on your site, but they start seeing really high engagement or they see traffic going up or it's a busy season like the holidays. And that rate of $10 is going to bump up to $17 RPM, maybe $25 RPM maybe $34 RPM. And so you're still at 10,000 views a month, but your RPM has gone up, which again, you kind of have no control over. You're going to make more that month because the RPM went up, which again is totally out of your control. Similarly, um, in March of 2020 is my best example. That of course was the pandemic and lockdown happening. Our numbers uh, for traffic actually had gone up that month but our earnings through ads went down pretty significantly that month on this revenue stream because advertisers basically got scared. They panicked and they stopped buying at the rates that they were buying. So we were doing everything we could do to keep our numbers up, keep traffic, keep people coming to our site. 
But no matter what, we lost money on this revenue stream in that month because of this, because of advertisers, which we had no control over. So that's really important to keep in mind. So that's number three. Let me see if I can go any faster. Number four, subscription-based models. Um, you can see a lot of people starting to use things like Patreon, and they're even doing that with podcasts, uh, possibly newsletters. And what that means is you there's a paywall. You have to pay to start getting that content. They might even have certain contact on, content on their websites locked. Uh, that you can't view unless you start paying. And that's just, you know, strictly subscription model, um, pay $2.99 a month, pay $5.99 a month, and you get access to all this other content. That's subscription. Okay. Number five is the sale of a product. You see a lot of accounts out there, especially a lot of these expert accounts. I'm often following parenting accounts. So there's a lot of people in the parenting space who have courses. They're often PDFs that you could buy. Again, if you're an expert, heck, it could be in the lifestyle space. You can put together a pamphlet that you can offer to sell. So really easy, like the time you, it takes you to produce one of those things might be extensive, but then it just kind of lives forever and you can just keep selling it and promoting it. So that's a really awesome way to supplement income. People have had a lot of success <laughs> as far as revenue goes with the sale of a product. All right. Another source of revenue for some people, and this is particularly reserved for typically larger accounts, larger followings in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, billions. These are product deals, product collaborations. What does that mean? The Every Girl Media Group actually has a few. How this works is an influencer or person or brand is usually hired or partners with a production company to put their name and probably be involved with the styling direction and art direction of a product their name goes on it and it's created by that third party partner. So we have a few product collaborations like this one is with Interior Define and they are a furniture company. We have a sofa collection with them that is so beautiful. It's customizable. It's called the Caitlin Collection. You can get it as a sofa, sectional, chairs, ottomans. I actually have a sectional in my own home. It's great. And so how that works is the Evergirl Media Group teams up with Interior Define, the Every Girl Me, actually, like the Every Girl Media Group, and uh, just comes up with inspiration and a design that they would love to see from that brand. The brand manufactures it. There is either like a uh, revenue split. There's a pre-negotiated rate that you're getting. Uh, you can negotiate how this works a number of different ways. We also have an exciting collaboration with Day Designer. We have planners and other notebooks and office items in Target stores around the country. Again, the Evergo Media Group did not produce that. We were, were largely involved with the design and marketing of it. It's a very exciting partnership. We have new stuff coming out this year that I'm excited for you all to see. Um, you've seen people do fashion lines like this. There are, of course, people who go the route of producing their own stuff. That is completely different. That That's not like a uh, product collaboration, so to speak, where someone else is doing the production side of things. Another revenue stream. Yes, I'm still going. This is how all of you out there are wondering, how do these people make money? And it's like, it's crazy. Like when you have a big following, what can happen? So another option, you know, you're seeing speaking events and, you know, hosting events, speaker fees, um, sitting in at conferences, being invited to sit on panels. A lot of time that's unpaid and you're doing it because you want to be involved and you want to help and, and it's great promotion. But a lot of times there's also a speaker fee involved. So that's another thing. I also see a lot of people coming out with books lately, but that's a whole other, that's down the road also. So there's a lot of opportunity in the business. I hope this sheds some light on exactly 
how this is all coming to be uh, for, for people. Like, how do you earn a living doing this? I hope, I hope that answers some of those questions. Okay. So now we've covered so much of how to get started, the business and finance parts of it. You guys had so many amazing questions. We wanted to make sure to try to get to all of them, which we definitely will not be able to do. Maybe we'll have to do a part two, (laughs) but we wanted to make sure to get into a little bit of the lifestyle of being on social media all the time. So what can you really expect? You know, what are the downfalls? So going to the first question, what does your real life look like when you're not trying to quote influence? Yeah. I mean, personally speaking, uh, less from the every girl side of things, more just personally, uh, the main thing is that I'm not on my phone as much, which makes me very happy after doing this for 10 years. Um, that, that's the, I mean, you, what you're seeing online is what you're getting. I I'm very forthcoming with, I think my home, my work, my life, my family. I think I've gotten a bit more private over the years, but um, the other thing I would note, is it is a bit messier. I do tend to pick up a little bit when I'm taking photos and putting stuff on camera, but I'm also willing to share that version. I, you know, I've, I've shown it many times. It's, it's no secret. Like I'm in my kid's room right now and it's a mess. Um, so I'd say it's a little less tidy, uh, things. There's more flowers when you see photos in my feed than I actually have day to day. Although I do have a lot of faux plants and flowers I recommend, but Again, I think that that's a lot of people. I know a lot of influencers. I, I see them in their day-to-day. I know how they live their lives. And a lot of times you're seeing, you get what you see or you're getting what you, you know what I'm trying to say. What you see is what you get. Like, I think if you're following the accounts, you can usually tell. <laughs> does it get hard being in the public eye? Like, does it feel like having a double life or imposter syndrome? Ah, uh, yeah, it does get hard. Not so much imposter syndrome, personally or like a double life thing, but I will say it's definitely weird being out in public sometimes, uh, and wondering if someone around me knows me or follows my account. Like there's been like, I, we moved a few years ago and I'm in this town and like, I introduced myself only to have people be like, I know I follow you on social media. And I actually kind of prefer when they just say it up front, but some, there are a lot of people out there who probably never say that. And I'm, I'm going off of, you know, you read things online and, oh my gosh, Josie, I once read the weirdest comment. She was like, she moved to my town and I saw her with her kids and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, ah, creepy. So like that's, and like, I was just like, probably just at the park or something. Like that's, that's when it gets weird. Um, but that is a part of it. Like I, I you almost forget though. Like you see this number on your screen again, 5,000, 5, let's say 5,000 followers. Let's do 500. That's a lot of people watching you, right? Like looking into your life or your relationship or what you're cooking and like into your home and seeing. So it's, it's very easy to kind of forget the number, but it's a very real part of it. So yeah, that part's a little weird. So how do you deal with creeps or someone also wants to know about the haters, like people that will leave nasty comments? Yes, that is also a very real part of this job. Um, and I will say it is a very hard learning curve, especially when I was younger. I, it brought me to tears many times seeing negative things posted. And I had this sense of like wanting to like be like, no, you're, you're wrong. That's not what I meant. Or, oh, you're, you misinterpreted what I meant. Or no, it is going to look good when it's finished. I swear. Or no, I actually do like what I'm doing. Like stop judging it. Like whatever it is, it's really hard at the beginning. I've taken 10 years for me to grow thicker skin. I think some people naturally already have that and can come into it and face it head on. But it's really weird, like peeling back the curtain and getting to hear what people have to say, talking shit about you, right? Like it's a very weird phenomenon and being able to brush that off. Um, like how do you stand there and take a punch without wincing, right? But you can't, but 
you kind of get used to it. And this is where I say like confidence in your decisions and the things you stand up and say and the things you're putting out there. You know, you really have to have confidence and conviction with what you're putting out there and, and be able to stand by it even when people try to bring you down. Yeah, it's also hard on the every girl. Like I think so many people forget because we're a, a bigger brand that we're real people that are creating content we really care about and we want all the feedback and constructive criticism. But when it's mean comments, like about the way yeah, even like- nasty. Yeah, nasty things. Like <laughs> it's, I, I think people forget there's real people that have feelings. So great I reminder know, it out always, there. It hurts my heart when I see you guys get, get, get that side of it. And, and I just want to be like, it's happened to me so many times. Like, don't <laughs> yeah. worry. I think what you made was amazing. Like there's a reason we want you working here. Like you create amazing stuff. They're wrong. Or like, here's the thing. You're never going to make everyone happy. I think yeah. that's a really hard thing to get over is not everyone's going to like you. And you know, you're a good person. Josie, you're a great person. I think I'm a nice person, but like, you're like, why wouldn't someone like me? But no, you're not everyone's cup of tea. You know, yeah. sometimes people don't like cheerful people. <laughs> I almost like it now. Like after five years of working here, I'm like, like if people comment something about an article I wrote or, or like sometimes in the past when it's been like personal about the writer or the editor, like talk about me, I'm like I almost like it because I love to like win them over. I don't, it's some like sick game for me or something. Like I almost am like, well, I You might it. not win them over. Hey, you <laughs> yeah, always have to remember true. this. Some people like vanilla. And some people like chocolate. And I know that's a weird comparison, but it's so true. Who likes vanilla? Like that's why I'm like, right. and, and maybe I'm chocolate. And like, they're just never going to like me. They're going to like. Yeah. And there's no reason for chocolate to try to be like vanilla. Everything. Yeah. Right. Because you right. go for the exactly. people that like chocolate. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Talk to me about work-life balance when it comes to influencing. <laughs> Very hard to say there, your silence okay. means there is none. <laughs> Here's the thing, especially for those people out there who make this a full-time thing. It's very hard to turn off. Like when you, when you, the person become the brand, your life is work. Your work is life. So like you have to be very cognizant of taking breaks, of putting your phone away, put it in a different room. Oh my gosh, Josie, I used to, every time I used to travel, I would be taking photos and showing the place and showing my meals and not so often showing what I wore because I'm usually not influencing in that space. But like more recently, I've gone on trips and not done any of that. And I'm like, this is glorious. I just get to enjoy it. I don't have to photograph it. I can just eat my food. I can just roll in the bed and make it messy. Like it's, yeah. I mean, when you're always having to shoot, photograph, share, it's a lot of like having your phone out. And then you're, like I said, you're editing the work. Like it's a lot of screen time. So it's hard. It's not to say it's impossible. And you, if you want to work five days a week, if you want to work three days a week and not work the other four, heck, and like space out that content you're creating in three days, you can do that. So there's definitely ways around it. But like I said, kind of that like tuning in on Instagram stories every day, checking in, being there, being present, uh, regularly popping up for your followers. It's it's definitely something that is hard to turn off and not say you can't find a balance that works for you. But um, I think a lot of people in every industry are dealing with this right now. But when it's on your phone and it's on social media, it's, it's, it's hard to turn off. 
A hundred percent. Well, thank you so much, Elena, for all of the insight. We obviously had so many questions from all of you guys we didn't even get to. So I know we'll have I to do this was another part two. I know our, our goal is always just to provide you with the content you want. And we got, we always get so many questions about this. So hopefully gave a little background and insight into the life of an influencer and how to start influencing. Don't forget to leave a review and DM us a screenshot at the Every Girl Podcast to win a $100 Amazon gift card we're giving away every week through the end of September. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.